Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. Oh my gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. Well, they probably still believe in Bigfoot. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. Getty. seen the white flash? No, I'm, I'm putting my ear to the ground now. I will listen to the thundering hooves. Mm. Oh, the I hear it. Hooves there up here. There oh, they are. He coughed right when he walked in. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. Oh. Did you do that on purpose? Uh, well, it's because I was running. Um, I had a bit idea, but I the right, couldn't find the right spot. It didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. I'll huh. explain that in just a second. Live from Studio C. C-O-V-I-D, senor. It is a dimly lit room. Where is it? Deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And hey, everybody, today we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Gretchen Whitmer and Gavin Newsom and the other governors of America who are increasingly unhinged. <laughs> we will be going governor by governor and grading them harshly. Yeah, well, my uh, my bit might have fit in with that because I've just... I was driving to work um, in, in, in fairly heavy traffic, and, uh, and I realize a lot of people don't realize there's that, there's that much going on out there. If you've been like a lot of people I text with and stuff like that, haven't been out of their house in weeks, there's a lot of traffic out there. And so I thought I, thought I knew the perfect spot where I could count cars, because I think people would be astonished by that. Mm. If I counted them, it'd be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I mean, I'd come up with hundreds of cars in like a minute. Right. And my point is... Uh, I, I don't want people who have been in their homes to be uh, uh, debating and weighing in on the conversation of when do we open the economy back up with the idea that everybody's in their house right. and we're going to go to people being out and about. There are already tons of people out and about every single day, and we've, and we've accomplished what we've accomplished. Did you hear that the county where the radio ranch rests is now going to start fining people right. up to a thousand bucks for being out inappropriately? Exactly, that fits in with what I was thinking about it today because we were encouraged to uh, make sure we carry our badges with us. I think whoever said that also hasn't been out and about. There's Stinking no badges. There's no way they're pulling over people and checking to see if I've got my essential worker badge. <laughs> there are a thousand cars every two minutes going down the freeway. Right. Um. And so. I just want to have this debate in the world of there are already a ton of people outside. There have been the entire time, and we have flattened the curve this much and, and accomplished this much because it seems to be working in a heck of a lot of places, certainly where I live. So how much more can we open it up? Um, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Well, there is no nothing. That's my point. There's not a nothing. There never has been a nothing. Exactly. It's not open or closed. It's just a question of degree, and it's already yeah. open by quite a few degrees. Yeah, exactly. So this, this false, false argument, it's just, uh, it's so important, and it's so dumb. Right, so we have to end the false argument on both ends. They're not going to open the whole thing up at once. We're not going to all be at NCAA tournament games, and every business is going to be open. Um, uh, that's not, that's not going to happen the way we were open and it's not all closed. Right. Um, so yeah, somewhere in the middle is where we got to find that sweet spot. And I don't know what that is, but I think it's amazing. For instance, talking about, uh, the, the Los Angeles area I was listening to the County Sheriff on uh, Fox news yesterday, 
talking about all the prisoners that have been let out and how crimes are going to be committed. That's just the way it is. Right. But the gun shops were closed, but the donut shops are open. I mean, I, how can you possibly justify that? Well, and, and what's even worse, perhaps, is that this is now starting to uh, carry its own energy. The shutdowns and the enforcement and the rest of it. And, you know, I was going to hold off uh, on this thought till mailbag, but the uh, the hospital facilities in virtually all of America are not overwhelmed. And that was the argument about flattening the curve. And we've gone from not overwhelming the healthcare facilities to just preventing infection, which, which is fine. I mean, it's a noble goal. I don't want to get infected, but you have increasingly militant local and or state leaders who don't seem to remember what this is all about and they are just flexing the muscles of their control. Are there any places where gun stores are still closed? Or did everybody cave on that event finally? Yeah, I haven't heard. No, I think I think they tried that and and got uh, hit in the chops pretty good by the courts. Boy, in one particular area where uh, where you're letting prisoners out and not allowing people to buy guns, that's that's an interesting move right there. Nice government you got here, folks. Um, let's introduce everybody in the squad. We got much more to get into. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, pretty good. I'm picturing this turning into a Smokey and the Bandit type scenario where you have certain states like. Like one state's closed and the state that's right next door is open and people are sneaking across, you know, the state line to either get goods or transport goods back. And uh, it's going to be nuts. The county I work in, the official rule is uh, you're not allowed to leave the county. Right. Um, For our younger listeners, the plot of Smokey and the Bandit. That's true. I should explain is the that. bandit is smuggling Coors Light. To states where Coors Light is not available. And I believe it's Coors regular, the banquet beer. Oh, but okay, the, Coors. But the, Coors. But, the, but the point is the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and the fuzz are hot on his tails <laughs> as he's moving beer from state to state. Right. You could buy it in Colorado, but not in Georgia or something like that. Oh, yeah. Injustice. That's a good plot for a movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It I'm, is I'm a great not movie. knocking the movie, I but think... that plot is just hilarious. <laughs> What was I going to say about something? When did that thing come out? I was going to say, you know, for our younger listeners, younger than 80. Yeah, younger. I know that's one of your favorites, Jack. But when when did that come out? Like the early 70s or mid-70s? 76, 77. 77, got it. I'm just nice. I'm basing it on the car because my whole life I wanted a 77 Trans Am. Oh, right, right. Uh, there, bingo. There you go. Because so I was talking with my kids the other day. We, we, my, my son, who's just a car nut. Um, just loves cars and knows so much about them. But anyway, he said, if you could have any car in the world, I said, I think I'd have a 77 Trans Am. That's what I've wanted since I was your age <laughs> when uh, Smoking the Bandit came out, which is a fantastic movie. It's got some of the comedy greats in it, for crying out loud. Jackie Gleason. Uh, there's positive. Well, when, did, when did Jimmy Carter uh, cut down all the power in the cars with the, all that fuel economy stuff? Was that 79, 78, it 79? must have been after so Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> 77, they still hold it. Because the Bandit had a powerful car. Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. Uh, if you see me walking in the hallways and, and I'm, I, I have an awkward gait, realize I'm, I'm walking with the tender steps of a person who did a leg day for the first time in a long time. <laughs> uh, now, the, the, I, I do these uh, like little 25-minute workout things, and I figure if I can't do 25, like that, that seems like a, a reasonable amount of time sure. to convince yourself, hey, just spend 25 minutes, put on a podcast or something, and, and just break a sweat. Uh, but I've tended to... Anything that involves, you know, getting your knees high or getting your torso low while balancing on your leg. Like, I've, I've, I've kind of skipped over a lot of the leg ones. Sure. And, uh, and I didn't do that yesterday. 
and I got the sore glutes in mm. a bad way. <laughs> oh, boy. The best way to realize you're out of shape is do some sort of exercise that you haven't done in a while. Like and five then... minutes in, and I'm already <laughs> gassed, and this person, all right, come on, let's go. And you can't walk the next day and say, wait a second. Whoops. <laughs> I let something slip here. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Thursday, April 16th, the year 2020, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Hey, let's begin then. Officially, according to FCC rules and regulations, here we go at Mark. I just want you to know that I miss you and I love you. Can't wait for this show to be over so that I can touch people, drink with people, and have the best life ever. See you too, Tracy. Uh, it's, that's, that's an old lady who misses her neighbors, from what I understand. She can't wait till she can drink with people. I think she's drinking by herself now. Yeah, it's better with people. Yeah, that's fine. It's absolutely fine. Well, you know, drinking is fun with people. It's also fun when it's not with people. It's, it's just fun. Uh, it's fun all the way around. How does mailbag look? Oh, it's outstanding. Today could be a super bonus mailbag day if we want it. The folks are brimming with thoughts. Oh, absolutely. That's fantastic. Our text oh, line yeah. is 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. More information continues to come out about uh, China's labs and who knows what about how this whole thing started and the World Health Organization role in it and more people coming to the World Health Organization's defense because the orange one is bashing them. So, you know. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, I guess, is the, did, is the whole did thing. You, uh, did you do some knee jerks yesterday in your leg workout, Sean? Because that seems to be popular in the media. I, I did, and I pulled something. <laughs> knee jerk opposition if the orange guy's in favor. Stay okay. tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. China didn't keep the virus a secret for six days, as has been reported. It's more like six weeks, according to the National Review, and they back up their argument. Uh, And then they had those giant Lunar New Year celebrations with thousands of people in the streets and then millions heading out across the world. That's how the dang virus spread. Anywho, more on that later at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm tempted to dive into it right now. It just makes me so crazy. It's like we're running a grand experiment to see how how crazy can the media be? Could we could we get them to back a regime that imprisons millions of people based on ethnicity if we say Trump's against that regime? Uh, no, they wouldn't go that far. It's crazy. Mailbag. Freedom-loving quote of the day today, passed along by Frank. Uh, it is uh, Patrick Henry, and I'm tempted to read these, this entire speech. It's so good. But he's talking about how, uh, during the Revolutionary Period, they had to face up the facts, and that hope was just, uh, well, it was an illusion at that point, and they needed to come to terms with what had to be done. So that's his theme. And he says he, he ends up with, Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot? What is it the gentlemen wish? What would they have? If life is so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery, forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Hmm. Usually only, nice. usually only hear that last line. The, the preceding three paragraphs, four paragraphs, are fabulous. You know, that, fabulous. that first part is uh, just reminds me of adult life, which uh, 
turns out to be the hard part of adult life. Uh, a lot of your big decisions are, uh, this is a terrible decision. This is also, this is a terrible way to go about it. This is also it. The alternative is a terrible way to go about it. Exactly. So which of these yeah. should I go with and then stick with and hope it yeah. works out for the best? I have two terrible choices. Let's pick one. Now on a cheerier note, because mostly everything is, uh, Dr. Ed sent along this picture of his uh, grandson wearing an Armstrong and Getty onesie. Aww. Looking very, very cute. Oh, look at that little fella. That kid Looks savvy does, as can be. That kid does not get smoking the bandit references. No. <laughs> Looks to be about, I don't know, toddler age. Uh, that's fabulous, thanks. And you can get uh, fabulous Armstrong and Getty swag at armstrongandgetty.com. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, you can also email us anytime you want. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I'd meant to point that out. So this is this is some pretty good reasoning by uh, Aileen Anonymous. Sometimes it's hard to know if Trump's statements are brilliant premeditated moves playing 4D chess and crafted <laughs> by Stephen Miller, or if it's just Trump being Trump and lucky, but he's exposing the opposition media agenda every time I watch a press briefing. In the case of Trump poking a stick with the media on his absolute power thing and flip-flopping his constitutional position, it seems strategic. Americans are watching journalists dart back and forth between narratives each day during this national emergency. One minute he's a dictator and the next Hitler. Then they're angry he's not a dictator for refusing to impose a national shutdown on the states with virtually no outbreaks and no constitutional basis for it. And now they're suddenly federalists who care about states' rights. Watching Trump take on the corrupt news media is why I adore him so much. And she passed along a tweet uh, which says, uh, essentially... Uh, the best part about this is he got them to take the heat off him by admitting that they know he does not have total power and that the governors are in charge in their own states. They just discredited their narrative that Trump is responsible for everything bad that happens. That's an interesting way to think it. Or uh, uh, one <laughs> one Twitter account that calls itself Joe Biden's rapey. <laughs> it's quite a tag you got. There. Wow, that's a little that's a little rough. Trump got the fake media to defend federalism. It's a miracle. <laughs> That is pretty funny. That is a good good thought. Thank you for that. Let's see. Can we use the name here, uh, Daniel? Oh, we were talking. We've we were we have more dairy farmers listening than I ever would have guessed, Jack. Um, people talking about the the dumping of milk and mm. that sort of thing, and and you're absolutely right. It has to do with the supply chain. If you've been supplying a distributor that supplies schools for years and years, it doesn't all of a sudden turn into grocery store uh, gallons of milk. And a couple of points Even if on the that. same amount of milk would be uh, consumed. Right, right. Uh, Gil writes, good morning, I'm a high school teacher, and the dumping of milk is just closer to the source now. That is, when schools were still open, I would see many unopened milk cartons on the ground or in the garbage. So instead of the students dumping the free milk at the school, now the farmers are dumping the milk since they can't ship it to school. That is an excellent point right there. And then this from uh, for anybody Dan. thinks, oh my God, all that wasted milk. Yeah, go to a cafeteria sometime. Uh, well, at the in when it's dumped at the school level, that milk has been paid for in some way, right? Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That helps out the farmers, yep. obviously. Yeah, yep. And then Dan says, you have to uh, wonder about the taxpayers who are buying all that milk that gets dumped out. Right, right. And to that end, uh, Dan, who says, new fan, love your show. Thanks, Dan. Heard you talking about the surplus of milk. Well, when Michelle Obama took away chocolate milk at schools a couple of years ago, so many kids were throwing milk away that the garbage dump near Granada Hills, California, was inundated with complaints of the increased odor. 
when schools close, you don't need so much milk to throw away, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so anyway, it's a good point, Dan. That's right. <laughs> Michelle Obama's ill-conceived. Let's feed the kids uh, broccoli and uh, skim milk. Skim milk. And uh, they didn't eat it. They just threw it away. They yeah. could tell the difference in the dump smell yes. from excess milk. That's disgusting. Yes. That is a disgusting thought, yes. It's a sickener. It is a sickener. A little extra dumpy today. <laughs> the dump has its own unique smell. Oh, and it's hard to get off you. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, tr- I, try, oh, to, you know what? I try not to step outside the vehicle if I can avoid it. I meant to bring that up. My county's dump is not bad. I drive past it semi-regularly, and they've done a really good job. It's an odd smell. I mean, it's not a good smell, but it's not horrific. But, Jack, the dump is closed right now. You can't bring crap to the dump because I guess they don't want to give the garbage COVID-19 yeah, or something. It varies from uh, county to county because <clears throat> I took some stuff to the dump the other day and was happy to see that it was open. But, uh, yeah, I've seen that some dumps are closed. And, again, it's another one of those why is this open and why is that closed situations. Well, and this is the perfect time. You know, folks are kicking around their homes, those who are kicking around their homes, looking around thinking, I don't need that anymore. That chair has a right. tear in it. Let's get rid of it. And Come on, it's prime dump all you time. want. I hope you dump a lot. There you go. That's the president right there. Yeah, you got to get into the inner sanctums of the dump to really enjoy the uh, the, the smell. And not the spe- special place where they have cardboard or wood or that sort of stuff. No, the place dropping where- off electronics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're dropping off your old computer terminal or whatever. No, you got to get into the real meat of the dump, which is some of it is meat. And, uh, <laughs> and that's where the smell, especially on a hot summer day. Yeah, <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. scientist and you find out that something horrible happened in your life are you going to report it to the local communist party boss no because that's the end of your life okay and same thing if you're the local communist guy are you going to report it up to beijing no because that's the end of your life so this is part of the problem of having a closed corrupt you know uh system is that the incentives are all for everyone to hide everything all the time uh that uh washington Post reporter referring to the end of your life if you report up the chain that something has gone wrong. I don't know if he meant the end of your life is in they kill you or you're just not going to uh, be able to have a career or choose where you live anymore, but either could happen. Yeah, it depends who you piss off and how much you piss them off. That was from our conversation yesterday with Josh Rogan of the Washington Post. Uh, absolutely loved the chat. He just absolutely brought it. It's talking about how it's becoming increasingly clear. I mean, we don't have. We don't have conclusive proof, but it's pretty danged good proof that this uh, coronavirus escaped from this lab in Wuhan where they were studying. Now, see if you can follow this coronaviruses uh, from bats. And two years ago in 2018, our State Department sent cables home. Our, Our guys in China sent cables home saying, hey, this lab that's supposed to be level four safe and secure is run sloppy as hell, and they've admitted to us they don't even know how to run a level four ad, or a lab, rather, and we're afraid, again, see if you can follow this, we're afraid one of these really dangerous bat coronaviruses is going to escape and infect people. Well, 
<laughs> silly, silly diplomats. That would never happen. Um, I saw a tweet yesterday from uh, somebody I like who said, I can't believe there are people that don't know that COVID-19 means COVID the year 2019. I didn't know that till I read that tweet. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Uh, I, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's what the 19 meant. means it's there are a lot of these viruses on a regular basis, <clears throat> and this particular one is the one that came out in 2019, I guess. It's uh, like the summer of 69, but, you know, yeah. it's a horrific disease. Less hippies. <laughs> Less hippies. <laughs> right. Less sex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we've got more from our interview with uh, the fabulous Josh Rogan. Yeah, he's talking about uh, how the original theory just doesn't hold water. What The original Chinese government story was that it came from this Wuhan seafood market, and that was what people just basically went with for a while. Over the last few weeks, that story broke down for several interesting reasons. One, the market didn't sell bats. Two, the bats under from the coronavirus are from like a thousand miles away. Three Chinese researchers pointed out that actually the first cases had nothing to do with the market. So it probably didn't come from the market Four, they bleached the market. Like the government, they like sanitized the whole thing, which is the opposite of what you were do if you were engaged in a genuine forensic investigation into mm. the market. And so people inside the government started to think, Oh my God, the U S government. Said, oh my God. What's in the, what's the other possible theory? Oh, what about these two bat coronavirus, research labs right next to the market. Could that be a thing? And (laughs) they dug up this cable from 2018 from these experts who were so concerned about it at the time that they went to this Wuhan Institute of Virology, and they were so shocked by what they saw that they tried to sound the alarm. They tried to say, oh, my God, this place is doing risky back coronavirus research. It's not safe. And if we don't do something about it, there could be another pandemic that comes from this research from these labs. Wow, that is just so ugly, and now it's all so clear. I mean, no communist official wants to send bad news up the chain. That's why they're they're so delusional, those regimes. And, you know, there are reports saying they're manufacturing 10,000 tractors a month, but they only manufacture like 106. Um, so, you know, that that is true. But it didn't make sense to me. If it just started accidentally in a, a market, a meat market that's probably existed for hundreds of years, why would you cover that up so hardcore? Well, it's because it didn't. It was their own lab. They are a hundred percent negligent for the escape of the virus. And by the way, that entire conversation is available at ArmstrongandGetty.com as an extra large podcast, uh, and it's it's worth a listen. Josh Rogan of the Wapo, uh, good man. Solid. Do we have another clip from him we want to play or no? Okay, so I'm reading from the National Review as more information continues to be gathered from various places. The National Review is saying of the Associated Press's story from yesterday in which the Associated Press says the uh, the, the, the the Chinese misled the world by six days, the National Review is making the argument that it's more like six weeks likely on how long they misled the world. Doctors in Wuhan believed the virus was spreading from patients to doctors well before Christmas. Wow. So that would worry you, uh, which means evidence of human-to-human transmission contradicting the official assessment from the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission was present from early on, if not from the very beginning. The first fatal case who had been to the seafood market, but that's now not where they think he got it, but he had been to the market, gave the virus to his wife who had never been to the market. So that's when they realized, oh, we got a problem. But they in the WHO denied that for quite some time. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm kind of building up to that okay. uh, that right, angle of it. Enough. But um, uh, you've heard about this Dr. Lee, who's become a kind of a uh, a folk hero in China for a lot of people. 
who sent the warning out in December that this was happening, uh, but plenty of other doctors tried to sound the alarm also, says um, the National Review, but official authorities stopped them, uh, inviting them to come to the police station, which is a, is a way of saying, you better you better get your act together, or your, uh, oh, your life as you know it is coming to an end. Inviting you to come to the police station in a <laughs> communist state. Hey, that's exciting. I think they're going to offer us a tour or something. Dear sir, I decline the invitation. <laughs> Maybe they'll let us uh, pet the police dogs. Um, uh, soon after that happened, the hospital was reminded uh, all, in an all-staff meeting that public disclosure related to the illness was forbidden and against the law. Uh, two days later, an official in charge of the hospital's supervision department gave uh, this other doctor a dressing down for spreading rumors um, and uh, was sent to the police department. That particular doctor, I think, is the one that hasn't been seen again. Yeah, that doctor had uh, disappeared two weeks ago. Um, I guess because they didn't want anybody to interview him and be able to get you know information going further back. He's quarantining, Jack. Why so suspicious? He's self-isolating, six feet under the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, this was all in December or the first days of January. The Chinese government did not deny the world a week's worth of warning at minimum. They denied the world three weeks of warning and perhaps as much as six or seven weeks, depending on you know which stories pan out to be true, if we ever know if they had shared the information about the first cases uh, and the similarities to SARS. That's from Jim Garrity of the National Review, and he's been great on this. I've been following him all along. Um, but so then the, then you get the, to the WHO part of it. They were, it is very clear, taking the most optimistic uh, views from the communist government and ignoring the reality on the ground. They didn't send people in there when they should have and that sort of thing. I think... Of all the crazy fights that Donald Trump's been in with various people and groups and countries and organizations, this is the one where he is absolutely on the most solid ground. And Mm -hmm. I can't see how anybody can be attacking President Trump for wanting to defund the WHO, yet people are, including Nancy Pelosi yesterday, we'll have to come up with the quotes, but she uh, she says Congress will stop this. She They're going to intervene on him defunding the WHO. We need the World Health Organization now more than ever. You know, just absolutely crazy. It's just the knee-jerk opposition is so, it's like a toddler who says no, no, no. It's you got to make this false choice. Either you you uh, either you're a Trump can you're a Trump supporter, uh, or you love China. I mean, what what the hell are they talking about? Are are there uh, areas in which the administration could have done a better job? Yes, of course, of course. It's an unprecedented global pandemic. There were failings. They maybe they didn't take it seriously. The CDC was all screwed up, and their tests were crap. Yeah, and and that's fine. Why the choice? But specifically, the false choice specifically on the World Health Organization. I don't see w- 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 where where Trump goes wrong here. I, I know the information well, well, he's been given. The narrative is to prosecute the World Health Organization is to excuse the Trump administration. I guess, which is um, just like I said, it's dumb. Yeah, and we, we can't look at both of their performances. Yeah, it, it, no. No, some people, the media, the toddlers of the media. Some people are just so in love with these various international organizations and assume that they're the. I don't get it. I mean, I don't have that mindset, so it's hard for me to get even get inside their head. But this assumption that any you know international organization is automatically 
uh, uh, benign and moral and just all kinds of good. Right. Why would that be any different than any other human organization, whether it's your own local city council or the Catholic Church or anything else? Right. Why? Have you been following the stories over the years of the U.N. who regularly shows up to disaster areas and rapes the women there who are either starving or suffering from the hurricane that came through? It's Their a peacekeepers thing. don't keep peace, and they rape people. It's other a thing. Nice Google right. it. Look it up. It exists, and it turns out the World Health Organization, for whatever reason, is in bed with China and lies about all this stuff. And that's the reason your business is shut down, and you can't go to go to work, and aunt whoever is sick and maybe die. It's just absolutely incredible. Ah, yeah, I know it. I just think it's emotional thinking. It makes people feel good to imagine that there's this vast, benign, interconnected organization of all of the people around the world holding hands like in a Coke commercial or some sort of cartoon for children around the world. Black people, white people, Asian people all coming together. It's just so wonderful. Just try not to rape the locals while you're not keeping the peace. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of when Tom Friedman, during a various portion of the Iraq war, had to write in the New York Times, some things are true. He said, I'm talking to my liberal friends. Some things are true, even if George Bush says them. Right. I, I think somebody needs to write an article like that about Donald Trump. Some things are true, even if Donald Trump says them. Just <laughs> right. because Donald Trump said the WHO is effed up doesn't mean it's ob- ab- 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 the opposite of that. I think Trump needs to take this to its logical extreme. And in the Rose Garden uh, this afternoon, he says, I'm not in favor of setting fire to your grandparents. Okay, I'm against setting grandparents on fire. And then just wait to see if the next morning the New York Times has got banner headlines, setting grandparents aflame saves resources or, you know, whatever. See if they'll <laughs> see if they'll go that far. Saves resources. Flaming grandparents make a beautiful party decoration. <laughs> if Trump's for it, we got to be against it. We ought to hit you with the breaking news of the day, I guess. Jobless claims another five and a quarter million Americans filed for unemployment benefits, which uh, are just outstanding numbers. So totaling twenty-two million over the last four weeks. The rate, the rate of growth seems to have slowed. He says, looking for a silver lining. Surely there's one in here somewhere. Right. Oh, and our other headline: the most populous, uh, the governor of the most populous state in the country, Cal Unicornia, has promised hundred million dollars, something, some enormous figure to illegal aliens. By fiat, he's just declaring that it's going to happen. As far as I know, there's been no legislation passed. So just an absolutely shocking story from Cal Unicornia. Looks like there are about 20 states that are planning to reopen by May 1st. Is yours one of them? Um, uh, And a variety of other things we can talk about coming up that I look forward to. Well, and what does that even mean? What does it mean? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So those are the bells of the
the church at Notre Dame uh, ringing for the first time in over a year. Remember, it had that ha- heck of a oh. fire and all I that. I thought you were going to do the old uh, what's brown and sounds like a bell. No, I was not going to do that. And that was oh. not the beginning of ACDC's Hell's Bells. <laughs> uh, wow, that's nice, I guess. Right? Yeah. Sure. Oh, it's I a did. positive moment in a difficult time. <laughs> I find it humorous. <laughs> I've... <laughs> I find it interesting when the media does stuff like that and acts like they're, uh, I don't know, all emotional about it. When you hate Christianity, the church, <laughs> Catholicism, really yeah, everything. Yeah, but we like old for. buildings. But Go we, figure. But we like Europe and historic <laughs> right. sites. So there you go. Exactly. Yep. Um, a Broward judge, this is Florida man, of course, but a Broward judge told lawyers to get out of bed and wear a shirt for Zoom hearings. <laughs> <laughs> Too many hearings where the lawyers were just laying in bed, bedhead, sh- shirtless. Yeah, I'm here. He's, he's innocent. That's funny. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Request for a deferral. <laughs> Put on a shirt at least for crying out loud. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, we've got uh, some craziness around illegal immigration. We will tell you about. Hundred plus million dollars being handed out uh, of taxpayer money. Well, that's not exactly true. We'll uh, we'll nail it down for you. One other funny thing before I get to a uh, serious political note. Uh, you know Amy Schumer, the comedian. Sure. Her uh, she was she was the first comedian I ever saw the the female comedian who did the whole uh, I'm a slut and I'm proud of it thing and it, all the jokes were around that and she made a lot of money on that and now she's married and has kids and has uh, changed her views on a number of things. But anyway. She just changed the name of uh, one of her children because she didn't huh. catch on to what the name sounded like, I guess. How old is the kid? Oh, Quite young. 12. One. <laughs> <laughs> He's in college. Um, one, I think. Um so one of her favorite comedians was Dave Attell. I don't know if you know his act, but anyway, he's a he's a well-known comedian. He, for some, he's one of those comedians that other comedians like. Anyway, she really liked him, and so she gave the child a uh, middle name, Attell. And the first name of the child was Jean, G-E-N-E, Jean oh. Attell. And then it occurred oh, no. to her, apparently, quite a while after, you know, you, you throw around the kids' names for quite a while when you're deciding a kid's name. Sure. And then you're you, usually you're, you're referring to the baby as its name even while it's in mom's belly. So, I mean, you get a, plenty of chance to nice. say the name. Despite what the Supreme Court says, you believe there's a human being in there. And you call it by its name. And uh, and then uh, <laughs> but it, it occurred to her that genital, you kind of slur together, sounds like genital. So, right, exactly. Before they even knew what genitals the baby had, they'd made a mistake in naming it. Genital. Oh, that's, 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 <laughs> so now that's the name, the kid's name is Gene David. So there you go. Gene okay, David. That's nice. That's fantastic. That reminds me of that uh, Simpsons bit where Marge keeps proposing names for the baby and Homer keeps shooting them down on the basis of, you know, how they'd be twisted on the playground. Right. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, little little Tell. I was uh, perusing the Twitter last night and came across this. We've talked some about the allegations against Joe Biden by a former staffer way back in the day. She claims he did some uh, untoward things. I don't even really want to get into it because I don't think there's enough information there to, uh, and, and, and the allegations are so old, I don't I don't really want to even traffic in that story. Um, but the way it's being handled in the media is being uh, condemned, particularly by conservatives who saw the media go wild uh, with the Kavanaugh accusations when you had a conservative Supreme Court justice on the block. And uh, they, they, any woman that would come forward and to say anything, it was front page news, and everybody took it completely seriously. 
Right, even um, though it was much older, much vaguer, and, and you know, ridiculously unsubstantiated. Uh, to my mind, I think much overstates it, but it, it definitely an older charge and not as substantiated as the one against Joe Biden. You know, you're both right are in both terms are, of the years. Both are flimsy. <laughs> I mean, because the one's 27 and the other one was 40 years yeah, old. Yeah. Uh, a better way to put it might be uh, the, the gal with Joe Biden was a congressional staffer. She was a grown woman in a high-profile job and immediately reported it to similar people as opposed to a, a, allegedly a drunk high school girl. Just um, it was... It was just, it's a so far back in your life thing. So this woman, Michelle Goldberg, an opinion columnist for the New York Times, wrote an opinion piece back during the Kavanaugh thing about Christine Blasey Ford, and she wrote an opinion piece over the weekend about uh, the Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden. Here are your two different headlines, uh, having laid out the way we did. Uh, back in 20, how long ago was that now? Um, was that uh, 2018. Let me zoom in on that. Yeah, that's September of 2018. She wrote, God, my phone keeps messing up. I'm sorry about that. Christine Blasey Ford's sacrifice. Her testimony was heroic. Will it be pointless? That was her opinion piece back in 2018. Christine Blasey Ford's sacrifice. Her testimony was heroic. Will it be pointless? Over the weekend, with this particular allegation, what to do with Tara Reid's allegation against Joe Biden? A sexual assault accusation against the presumptive Democratic nominee is being used to troll the hashtag MeToo movement. Those are quite what? starkly different ways to handle an accusation against a powerful person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And there's more meat on the bone with the Tara Reid accusation than there was the Christine Blasey Ford accusation. I think they both shouldn't rise to the level of tearing a man down. But uh, there you go. Yep, and as usual, what really troubles me is many Americans will never hear the other side of the story. Yeah. They will never hear this pointed out. They just take it. Armstrong and Getty.